This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Cosmic conflict. We started last week. We introduced the subject. What we're talking about here is that maybe a review just a little bit to catch you up. In the ages of the what we call refer to, the Bible refers to as eternity past, for lack of a better way to put it, there was a great conflict in the heavenlies. And where an archangel by the name of Lucifer uh, deceived and uh, and caused one-third of the angels to follow him in a rebellion against God in heaven. He was cast out, causing uh, a great chaos. It was a great cataclysmic contest, but it really was no contest because God's Almighty and the devil is not. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, people in the world or even sometimes Christians think that, you know, when we talk about this cosmic conflict, we're talking about two great titans of equal power, you know, maybe like the ancient Greek mythology, you know, where they had the gods on Olympus and they were, you know, vying for power and all of that. But there's nothing of the sort. Satan is nowhere near on the level of God in power, in stature, or any other way. Amen? And because of that uh, conflict, he was cast out. You know the story of Eden. It picks up there. He deceives Uh, Adam and Eve, they uh, follow him in his deception, which we talked about that that's one of the big weapons that he uses against us is he uses deception. He tries to deceive us. He tries to trick us. And he does that, uh, you know, by making accusations uh, about us or making accusations uh, about others to us or us to others. And, you know, we need to learn, as Paul said, and not be ignorant of Satan's devices. See, the devil can't just come in and just kill you. I mean, just come into your bedroom while you're sleeping and suffocate you or do something like that. That's not, he doesn't have that power. We talked about it last week where it says that his power is limited to what is common to man. The temptations that are common to man to be deceived, to feel rejection, to feel condemnation, guilt, discouragement, all those things, those are the things he uses against us. Now, will he endeavor to use sickness and disease and calamity? Of course he will. But if we understand who we are and what our weapons are and the theater of warfare, we can stand and resist him, as the Bible says, and we can do it effectively every time. The Bible says that we are overcomers and really more than overcomers because Jesus has overcome him. Let's let's pick up, we're going to catch up real quickly, but look over in Colossians real quickly. And we're going to read a we're going to read a scripture there. It says In verse 9, chapter 2, verse 9, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. 
In him you also were circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, uh, your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, which you also were raised through him, through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. He's canceled the charge of all our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it all away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, as speaking of Satan and his kingdom, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So we see here the triumphant nature of the crucifixion, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ has brought complete and total victory to God's people. Amen? He said over all authority and power. I mean, if it's all, what is left? Nothing. Isn't that right? So it does not matter what the enemy brings in his array of tactics and and strategies against you. We can gain the wisdom and the understanding of God from his word and by his Holy Spirit. And if we will do what God says, that's the whole key, isn't it? God's done the heavy lifting. We just read here, Jesus did all the heavy lifting. He defeated Satan once and for all and all his minions. But now here's the thing. The Bible says we must resist the enemy. He is a thief and a robber. Remember, we talked about it last week. He comes to to steal, to kill, and destroy. A thief and a robber has no legal standing, but that doesn't stop them from trying to steal or kill, does it? So just because Jesus has defeated him, the, the, the devil and his demonic forces, they're still here in the earth. Now there's going to come a day, you can read over there in Revelations, where it says that the devil and all those demons are going to be cast into the lake of fire. Boy, I sure hope I have a ringside seat for that one. Amen. But right now he's still here, though defeated. He can still trick you, he can deceive you, and he can work to harm you if you don't recognize and you won't stand up for your rights in Christ Jesus. All right? So that kind of catches us up. Now turn to 2 Corinthians. The theater of warfare. We're going to look at three things today. The theater of warfare. Also, the weapons of our warfare. And understanding exactly, again, who we're fighting. You know, it seems to me that in our nation nowadays, in our culture, that it seems like that it's every man against every man. Now, I know that that's probably not true, but boy, it sure seems like it, doesn't it? All the junk's going on, you know, in Washington, the nation, and this and that, and it's this one against that one, and that one against this one. And the Bible makes it very clear that the, the theater of warfare is not about flesh and blood. And of all people, we believers must set the standard for that. You know, I mentioned it last week. You know, it's, it, it, you can tell that racism is of the devil because it is absolutely the most superficial, it, when you really open your eyes to it, the most stupid thing in the world. How thick is your skin? It's, 
It's very, very thin. If you don't believe it, prick it with a needle. And under our skin, we're all the same. Are you listening to me? We all needed the same salvation. We all needed the same blood. We all needed the same Savior. We all needed the same Father. There's nothing different. That is the devil in his lies. And he likes nothing better than to divide us. He tries to divide the people of God. He tries to divide nations. He tries to divide families. He tries to divide marriages. That's what he works at. Remember I I mentioned before, remember your biblical mathematics. The devil subtracts and divides. God adds and multiplies. Amen. So when you see something coming that's taking away, that's diminishing, that's bringing division and divisiveness, you can know that's not God. God God comes, He's going to add to you. You're going to be better off. You're going to be more blessed. You're going to have more peace. You're going to have more joy. You're going to have more love in you for people, even people different from you. Hello. Do you know everybody's different from you? So if you, if you say, well, I'm only going to love people that's just like me, well, you're just going to love yourself, and that's it. Because we're all unique, aren't we? We're all one of a kind. So if you're just going to, if you want everybody to be like you, you boy, you're going to live, you're not going to love too many people. Everybody's different. Have you, surely you found that out by now, haven't you? Everybody's different. Different personalities, different backgrounds, different experiences, all kinds of differences we don't have time to go into. So, you know, the love of God, it breaks down all those barriers and walls so that what? We can begin to love people, you know, just as they are. You don't have to meet all my standards before I love you. All right, let me get back over here. Sometimes those rabbit trails are good for us, though, aren't they? The theater of warfare, it's in the spiritual realm using spiritual weaponry, and it's operated by faith. 2 Corinthians, let me get over there, 10. Notice this now. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage the war as the world does. As the world, the world system, the people who are unsaved, the people who are, who are swayed by the, the God of this world, the, the Bible calls him. We don't, we don't act that way. We don't fight people. Are you listening to me? I'm going to go even further. We don't fight. We, we ain't got a beef with the, the Muslims. We want to get the gospel to them, but I ain't got a beef with them. What do you got to beef with them about? I'm not mad at the Chinese. God must love them. He made a lot of them. I mean, you know. There's over a billion of them. Am I messing with your paradigm here? Good. It's a spiritual realm. Notice he said, we don't wage wars of the world. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world or carnal or fleshly natural weapons. That's not our weaponry. I don't use jealousy and and scheming and trying to climb to the top and climb over everybody at work and make my way to the top. That's not the way we work. Amen. We honor God even in the workplace, don't we? We're diligent. We do we we are we're excellent. We we do that and God gives us favor and God will promote us. Yes, and you don't know my boss. Yeah, but God does. Isn't that right? He said, 
On the contrary, uh, our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, what are those? Arguments. Pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every captive thought to make it obedience to Christ. So the theater of warfare is in the spiritual realm. We use spiritual weapons, not natural weapons. Amen. Boy, I could really go to metal here some. I'd probably make some of you madder at me than you already are. So I won't. And they operate by faith. For we walk by faith and not by And he said this, he said, fight the good fight of what? The good fight of faith. That's in the realm of the spirit. Listen, God is a spirit. Man, mankind is made in the image of God. We're a spirit. And the enemy we're fighting, he's a spirit. You can't roll up your sleeves and give him a left hook or, or you know, a, a right cross. I mean, wouldn't, sometimes it'd be nice if you could. But you can't fight the devil that way. It's a spiritual battle. It's a cosmic conflict in the spiritual realm. That's the theater of warfare. And don't let the enemy, listen, he'll try to suck you into this in your relationships. You know, we talked about this last month, but you know the devil will use you to push somebody's buttons and them to push yours. And here goes the dance we talked about. We're all in the flesh. Well, I remember you did this, and you said you was going to do that, and you didn't do it, and blah, 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 blah. And we just vomit up all that stuff, and the devil, I know, is just going. <laughs> you know, back in the Vietnam War, you know, uh, one, of, one of the, the issues that, that we had in, in waging an effective warfare there was a lot of times we couldn't identify who the enemy was. You know, because you, you had a nation divided, so the population looked the same, but the warfare rules changed on us. See, we were still fighting a, a, an old-style World War II type of conflict where, you know, we had a uniform and we knew who we were, and they had a uniform, we knew who they were. All of a sudden, we didn't know who they were. <laughs> and so it became difficult to wage an effective warfare. That's the same thing the enemy does. He fights a guerrilla warfare. And he, he will try to accuse you and accuse others. And he will get, get you to point at somebody that's different from you. And, and, and this one that's not like you. And all of that kind of thing. And get us to start talking and waging a natural warfare against one another. Boy, we're seeing that happen in our nation now like never before. And now, we, you know, the devil's just got a, even a better means because he's got the internet. Don't think he ain't on it. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not... Trying to speak against the internet, but I'm telling you, don't think he ain't using it. Hello? Be discerning. You hear me? Be discerning on that thing. Amen? I'd say the same thing about the TV and any other medium. So I'm not just picking on the internet. It's, but that's the way the devil is. He's going to try to use it. So, so what are some of our weapons? What are some of our weapons? Don't forget this theater of war. Boy, it's so easy to just slip over into the natural, isn't it? I want to give people a piece of my mind. You might need to keep all you got. The Word of God is one of our primary weapons. Hebrews 4, verse 12. I mean, this is number one. The Bible calls it the sword of the Spirit. 
You know? If it would have been, the Bible been written, being written in modern days, I think it would have been said, the lightsaber of the believer. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about, do you? Anybody, know, anybody grow up with Star Wars? Yeah, most of us did. Man. Listen here. Listen what he said. The Word of God is alive and active. That's what makes this book different. It's alive. It's God-breathed. It has the faith of God in it. Amen? Words are containers, aren't they? You ever hear somebody that you care about especially speaks a word full of meanness and harshness? Boy, it penetrates, doesn't it? It hurts. It says it penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrows. It judges the thoughts, attitudes of the heart, and nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Notice how it goes from talking about God's word to God's sight. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word, amen. And the Word took upon itself and dwelt among us. The Word of God. It's a sword. It's a two-edged sword. And we need to learn to use it. Now, here's some of the ways that we can use it in. In prayer and in worship. And I kind of put those two together. Because I happen to believe that worship is the highest expression of prayer. You remember in Acts 16, we won't go over there. Do you remember the story, verse 32? You can write that down and look at it later. Paul and Barnabas, they're preaching the gospel. They're doing what God called them to do. And, you know, of course, when you're in the perfect will of God, everything goes just right, doesn't it? You need to see me after the service if you're still thinking that. No, I mean, you, look, you read in the Scriptures, you, you can see where, man, they got, they got falsely accused, they got beaten, and they got thrown into prison. Hello. <laughs> but it says at midnight, Paul and Barnabas, they whined and complained. And I just broke the podium. <laughs> Thomas, you want to come here and grab this? <laughs> I didn't know my own strength there, brother. <laughs> I'd like to say that was the anointing. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, you know, it's probably all that loading and unloading, isn't it? <laughs> Holy cow. Hallelujah. This, this is called a mini-me platform. <laughs> but at night it says, no, it says that they what? They heard them praying and singing praises and worshiping God, didn't they? Listen, the enemy, when, listen, life happens at times. Sometimes it's a, an attack of the enemy, but we live in a fallen world. Sometimes, you know, people come to me when I was young in the ministry, I thought I had to have an answer for everything. And I finally grew enough to realize I don't have an answer for everything. Amen. That's over my pay grade. You need to go talk to Papa. And, you know, but here's the thing. Some, you know, things happen. Every one of us, anybody ever had to go through some stuff? Thank you, brother. You have, I mean, you go through tests and trials, we all do. And you know, your flesh wants to complain, doesn't it? Boy, mine does. Mine wants to go, mm. Thank you, brother. 
that wants to complain. But you know, that's the time when we recognize, you know what? I'm not going to let the enemy or these circumstances, they're not going to steal my joy. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to fill my mouth with the Word of God. I'm going to give thanks to God. I'm going to speak the promises of God. I'm going to worship God. And it says as they did that, what happened? The, the, the doors on the jail cell sprang open, and they were all set free. I found out this. The longer I whine, the longer I stay in it. You found that too? You must have. You all not. But when I start worshiping God, when I start giving thanks to God, when I go to God in prayer, man, things start moving. Then also the Bible says that the word is used when we speak the word. Mark 11, over there Jesus said, Whoever will say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea. And shall not doubt, but believe in the heart that the things they're speaking is going to take place. He said, it's going to be done for. You know, we need to just speak the word. You know, it's good to go and talk to God about our mountain. We need to do that. But after you've done that, you need to talk to your mountain concerning what God said. There's a place for both of them, isn't there? So we speak that word. You can read over there, Mark eleven twenty three. He talked about that. We speak the word. The word in our mouth becomes a two-edged sword. We speak to the circumstances. We speak to the enemy. We speak the promises of God. And we declare, this is my truth, not what the circumstances say. You say, yeah, but pastor, it looks this way. I know it. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. Because you walk by sight and you're going to be discouraged most of the time. Amen. And also, it's for demolition purposes. Amen. When we speak the word of God out of our mouth, the Bible we just read there in 2 Corinthians, it demolishes what? Strongholds. Where are the strongholds? In our reasoning, in our imagination. Amen. The devil does something. We see circumstances out here, and immediately to go along with those circumstances, there's a whole flood of thoughts up here, isn't there? Boy, you've had it this time. It's all over for you now. You might as well throw in the towel. You've had it. This is it. I'm telling you what, your marriage is over now. Boy, I tell you what, you heard what the doctor said. He's a specialist. You're done for. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You sure you do. That's when we have to take God's Word and put it in our mouth and in our mind and demolish those strongholds, he said, that, is, that are exalting themselves against what? The knowledge of God. Where's the knowledge of God? It's right here in this Bible. Amen? And I believe God's Word is bigger than my circumstance. How about you? I know it is. Amen? So we know the theater of warfare is in the spiritual realm. Weapon, one of the weapons of our, our warfare, the primary one, is the Word of God. Let me encourage you. This is why the Bible says, Your Word, Thy Word, O God, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. But also, too, faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. And it says that we overcome by faith. Isn't that right? Faith in God's Word. Faith in God's Spirit. Faith in what Jesus has done for us through, through His death, His burial, His resurrection, and His ascension on high. Amen. Hallelujah. We're overcomers. Yes, you are. 
You look like one to me. Hallelujah. Then the, another powerful weapon is the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus, we have been released, listen, from sin and Satan's claim. Look over in 1 Peter over there real quickly. 1 Peter chapter 1. Listen, the devil, get this straight once and for all. Satan has no power, rights, or authority over you even if you sin. Get it straight. Now, if you persist in sin, can you open yourself up and get on the devil's territory? Of course you can. But he's not Lord over you. Jesus is still Lord. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to do what? To forgive us. And not only that, but to cleanse us. From nearly all, just seeing if you was awake, from all, all our sin, all our unrighteousness, all of it. Absolutely. All don't leave much room for anything else, does it? We're released from the same. Get that, because the enemy wants to come in. Man, I'm telling you, now I know this has never happened to any of you, but you know, man, if I blow it, I miss it. Man, the devil's right there. Yeah, I'm telling you what. You think you're some kind of Christian. <laughs> I'm telling you what. Boy, if this is the best you can do, you might as well just give it up now. Now, I know you've never, he's never said that to you, has he? But, you know, he wants to come in. Why? He's the accuser of the brethren. He wants to get you under condemnation and guilt. Did you know condemnation and guilt will never transform you? You know what? Condemnation and guilt, when the devil brings it, it's like running on a treadmill. A whole lot of exertion, but you don't get very far. Man, the more you, you know, like that old, some of you young ones will have to Google this, look it up. The Jetsons, the old Jetsons. You ever seen the intro with the Jetsons? Y'all know what I'm talking about? He's out there walking the dog, you know, on, the, on that treadmill. <laughs> And old man, unfortunately for him, it gets kicked into high gear. And here's George, man. He's running as hard as he can. Finally, that thing catches him, and he just... That's the way condemnation is. It wants to... You you get on that treadmill of condemnation and guilt, and the enemy will accuse you and accuse you and accuse you and, and beat you up and beat you down and convince you that when you've done enough penance, then you can be forgiven. Not so. We're free from guilt and condemnation. Remember Romans 8, 2. It says this. There is therefore. When? When is now? All right, now when is now? All right, now when is now? It's hard to get past now, isn't it? Because we live in the. What time is it? There is now no condemnation to those who do everything just right, who meet brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so standards, 
Oh, I got it wrong? There's now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That means if you're saved, you are in Christ Jesus. So if you're saved and you're saved right now, that means that right now there's no condemnation. So that condemnation is not coming from God because he says that in Christ there is none. So that ain't coming from in Christ. That's coming from outside of Christ, which is what? The devil. He's the accuser of the brethren. But the blood of Jesus... This is what we have to remember. The blood of Jesus has redeemed us. We read where he canceled out all the debts. In the Greek, it literally says this, that all the, all the different sins that you and I have done, you know, they're written down like charges against us. Written out, written out, written out, written out. Boy, I'm telling you what, man, I think I must have had a, must have been a long scroll on mine. But it says literally, this is what it says. That when we believe on Jesus, the blood of Jesus is applied to our life. And it doesn't just say paid in full. The page and all the writing on the page is obliterated. It's just a clean white piece of paper. Wow. So if the devil goes to read the charges, he's got to make them up because he can't read them on the paper. There are none there. He's good at making them up. We are overcomers. You know, in Revelations 12, 11, you can just write that down. It says, and they overcame him, what, by the blood of the Lamb. You know how you're going to overcome the enemy when he comes at you to discourage you, to condemn you, to put you under all that guilt? By the blood of the Lamb. Not because you're going to do everything. Don't, you know, oh, I promise you, God, I'm going to do better. That's not how you get forgiveness. You get forgiveness because of the blood of the Lamb. If you do everything perfect, it's still not because you did everything perfect. It's the blood of the Lamb. That's the only way we are justified. That's the only way we overcome Him is by faith in the blood of Jesus. They overcome Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Hallelujah. So we see the word and the blood coming together. Man, you give Him the old one-two as it were. The word and the blood, pam. That was a knockout punch with the blood, man. And then finally, and we'll talk about this more because my, my, my time's going fast. But turn over to Ephesians, and I'm going to introduce this, and then next week I'm going to talk about this in more detail because I don't have time today. In Ephesians chapter 6, the armor of God. The armor of God. We need to be dressed for battle. Listen, one day, one or two things is going to happen. Either Jesus is going to come back. I mean, he is going to come back, but I'm talking about while we're alive, he's either going to come back or I'm going to live out my days, and you are too, and we're going to go on and be with the Lord. Now, in either case, that's going to be a great day. Oh, I'm telling you, Paul said to depart and be with Christ is far better, Chris. Far better. If he had just said better, that'd been good, but he says far better. Then the Bible says we will be at rest. We are not at rest and on vacation right now. We are in a battle. And we are not wearing our swim trunks at the beach. We are to have on the armor of God. 
In Ephesians 6, real quickly, verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. He never says, be strong in your own strength. You start trying to do that, you're going to fall on your face every time. Amen. Take it to somebody who's fell on his face a few times. I'm telling you, you will fall on your face. But he says, how do we do this? Put on the full armor of God. See, some people have got on one or two pieces. So you're vulnerable. See, I know some people, you know, they, they got on the breastplate, but they don't have on the helmet. So they're always tricked and fooled by the devil's thoughts. They doubt. They're double-minded. They're fearful. You need to get on the full armor of God. Otherwise, hey, if, if, if I were shooting at somebody that had armor on, and I saw that they had armor here but none here, uh, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I think I know where I would shoot for. Wouldn't you? He said, put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, or because of this battle, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand your ground. So it's inferred, if I don't have on the full armor of God, I'm going to have a hard time standing my ground. We'll talk about this next week in detail. And, and after you have done everything, so there's some things we got to do with this armor. Because he says, after you've done everything. He says, to stand. See, the reason some people can't stand is because they're not fully armed and they haven't done everything with the armor. So they have a hard time standing. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And, he's not through yet, is he? And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now, we're going to unpack this and talk about the armor next week, the different pieces, how to use them. What is this everything he's talking about that we're to do and, and how this armor is not only for resisting the enemy, but it also has to do with praying effectively. Amen? Now, let me give you some action points here for today's message. Some things to do. Now, I talked about last week in our message, I said, take an inventory, what's going on in your life. I hope you did that. If you can see some areas that does not line up with God's Word and God's promises, then you know what? That's an attack from the enemy. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So if you see some areas where, he, you know, things are being destroyed, I mean, if you, your peace is being destroyed, all different things, it may be attack on your body, on a relationship, I say, take an inventory. I mean, some people just go through life and they never are, never really, they just thought, well, this is the way life is. Well, that may be the way life is, but it doesn't have to stay that way if you'll recognize the enemy. Today, in our action points, let me ask you this. Who are you fighting? See, some people are fighting their spouse. 
or a sibling or a mom or a dad or the boss at work or whoever it may be, your in-laws, your outlaws, whoever. Who are you fighting? It's not against flesh and blood. And then secondly, take an inventory. How are you fighting? How are you fighting? I mean, we shouldn't be fighting one another anyway, should we? I said, should we? Some of you lack conviction in that. (laughs) We shouldn't be fighting one another. Because we, our battle is not against flesh and blood. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. I know. But you know what? We've all had stuff done to us. Anybody be, ever been treated unfairly? Anybody ever had something told about you that wasn't true? I could go on and on. We'd all just keep raising our hands. So don't go thinking you're something special. <laughs> Bless your little heart. Nobody else has had it hard like you. Sure we have. You know, you might talk to some people and you find out how good you've had it. (laughs) And then finally, what are you using in your fight? Remember we talked about the Word today, the blood. Isn't that right? And then we're going to unpack it more, but the armor of God. And we want to use these weapons to fight effectively. Amen? Amen. You know, Paul said this in one place. He said, I'm not shadow boxing. See, when we try to overcome the enemy using fleshly, natural, carnal means, it's like we're shadow boxing. It's like you're trying to, you're trying to land a blow on a shadow. You just can't do it. And, and, I mean, you wear yourself out with all your energy. You're trying real hard, but you're never landing a blow that really makes a difference. But when we begin to use the things God's given us, we understand it. All of a sudden, we become effective. Amen? Would you bow your heads? Father, I thank you that you're giving us an even deeper understanding and illumination about this cosmic conflict that we're in. Father, we, we, we are not fearful about this conflict because Jesus has already overcome the evil one. And you've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love, a sound mind. And the weapons of our warfare you've given to us, Lord, they are ours. They're ours to use. They're ours to conquer with and ours to overcome with. And I pray, O oh God, for our understanding for all who are in this place this morning about the weapons they've been given. And Father, that they will purpose by the help of the Holy Spirit to begin to use their weapons effectively. They will no longer fight against flesh and blood, but they will recognize the true enemy and begin to use their weapons effectively, especially in the prayer closet. They will speak your word. They will come against the enemy. They will use their authority. They will use the name of Jesus. They will use the word of God. Thank you for it, Father. If you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus your Savior and Lord, how do you do that? The Bible says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord Jesus, believing in their heart that that Jesus is the Son of God, that he gave his life as a ransom for your sins that will believe in Him, will call on His name and ask Him 
to come into your life and to forgive you, He will save you. If you've never done that, I just want to pray for you this morning. I'm not going to ask you to do anything or say anything except to God in prayer. But I want to include you in this prayer. I'd like to pray with you if you would allow me to. If you would just keep your heads bowed, but if you just raise your hand and say, Pastor Norris, I'm asking and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ to be my Savior today. Would you please just pray with, for me? I'm just going to pray for me up here. I'm going to pray for you. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. I don't see any hands. I don't see any at all. Hallelujah. Oh, right here. Thank you. Father, right now, I just include this young person in my prayers right now. God, you said whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus, they will be saved. I thank you, Lord, that today there's a no-so in her heart, in her mind. Lord, she knows as she calls on you that you're faithful and just to forgive her of all sins, to cleanse her, and to come into her life, Jesus. Make her a brand new person. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, right now. You just call on the name of Jesus. Ask him to come into your life and to forgive you, and he will do it. He will do it right now, once and for all. I thank you, Father. It's settled. It's settled in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.